Hello and welcome to another festive edition of And Now for Something Completely Machinima. I hope you're all having happy holidays. My name is Damien Valentine, also known as Darth Angelus. And joining me this week, I've got Tracy Harwood. Hello. Phil Rice. Hello. And of course, Ricky Grove. Da, 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 da. Hello, everybody. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> So, um, this week we're going to be discussing our film picks for the month. Um, we've got some good films that we've all chosen. So, uh, Tracy, why don't you start us off? Oh, okay. Yes, I've um, <laughs> I've picked something that's um, not very festive, really. And well, I don't know. It's a machinima about suicide. A really miserable topic. <laughs> and I'm sorry. Um, happy happy holidays, I forgot yeah, to mention. Happy, happy holidays. Happy holidays, exactly. Um, but you know what? It's maybe an appropriate one for a Christmas episode. Sure. Uh, I'm not fully sure I understand the ending of this, uh, and it did make me go back over this guy's videos to find the first iteration of it. Um, so, okay, so the film's called The Loneliest Road. Um, it's a short film uh, made in Halo uh, by King Caden. Uh, and it's it's a, a kind of a personal story uh, and was made to provide insight into suicidal actions. Um, uh, and it's it's been made for an older audience. Um, this is King Caden's description of it. Now, it's a, it's a film about um, a main character who's walking down a, a very, very long road uh, and reflecting on something absolutely terrible that's happened um, to everyone he's ever loved or known. Uh, and these guys have all died in clearly very horrible circumstances. So he now walks alone, is very sad and lonely, and is contemplating his, his own future, which, frankly, he's concluded isn't going to be very long. What I think is quite interesting here is the, the cinematic side of it. It reminded me a little bit of, do you remember... Litfuse Productions, Ignis Solis, Burn Alone. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now that one, uh, I think it was Best Music in the 2008 Machinima uh, Film Festival Awards. And what's interesting here, though, because it's not the music that's original, but it's the comments um, King Caden makes about it. It's a re-editing in a newer version of Halo. Uh, and the point he makes is about the differences and similarities between the first time he created the film and this version. New game, same story. It's probably a little bit reflective of what Phil was saying about GTA last week. Um, but actually, I think it's beautifully and powerfully voiced um, by uh, Brad Paver, I think is how you pronounce his surname, um, and has a, a strangely uh, uplifting ending, all to music by um, Late Night Feeler called I don't uh, want to do this without you. Although I, I must say, I don't fully understand what the ending of it actually is. Um, I should add that this is is really very sensitive material. Kincaiden posts a link to the Veterans Crisis Line in the video description, but not by name. 
which is curious, but actually reflects that a lot of vets play Halo, of course. Um, depressingly, however, when I looked up whose number it was he had posted about, the top ones were of a music video rather than the actual crisis line itself. So nil oh. points to Google on that one. was about yeah. very unimpressed with that. Anyway, as a, as a, as a general comment, I think um, December is often one of those months that can be challenging for a lot of people. Um, those with families and those without. But in part, what I have always loved about the machinima community is the way it has pulled together beyond geographies of games and national borders, which is why this film somehow felt an appropriate pick for this time of year. Um, sort of, you know, lest we forget uh, that some folks have it much more difficult than we do. And beyond the nasty remarks associated with a lot of social media, there's always some friendly criticism and critical support. So what did you guys think? Well, I thought it was very different from... Because when, when you shared it with... It's, uh, it's a Halo machinima, and I was expecting what you normally expect from Halo uh, machinima, which is either going to be something uh, as a comedy or telling a story in the world that the games take place in. So when I started watching this, and it wasn't about any of that. It wasn't a comedy, obviously, and it wasn't really about... Um, the world that Halo is in, um, I was really surprised, and I just kind of sat and watched it. And I just when it finished, I just sort of think about it. And like you, I'm not quite sure what the ending is either. Uh, is it is he turning things around, or is that his way of um, ending things? I don't know. Um, and he chose a very bleak map for the um, from the game to tell his story in. It's all. Sort of devastated and the, the war has already happened and he's, as he's exploring it um, it kind of really sets the tone because he's not looking at anything particularly pleasant it's just wrecked buildings and vehicles and um, you can tell that bad things have been happening there and it, I think he chose that map very well I don't know the game that well so I don't know what the other options were but I think that was a, that was a good choice and it's not Anything it's not a kind of machine I'd expect Halo to have been used to make, so that was a very interesting mm. choice he made there. Mm. Mm. Well, I really applaud the subject, and um, it's refreshing to see game based uh, uh, entertainment looking at a very serious subject. And, and I'm really I'm glad you chose it for that, uh, especially in December, which is usually the an, a time in which people end up having more homicides and suicides than many other months. So I, I think that's really great. But along with that comes a sort of responsibility to be able to um, be true to that idea. And I think the the film falls well short of, of its um, goals. Part of the problem comes from the fact that um, it treats it sentimentally um, and I understand a lot of people, a, a great broad sense of our our community and, and audience like sentimentality, but I don't. And uh, so I found that troublesome. It also did a lot more telling than actual showing. So what's lost? He's in this situation, but you don't know what that situation is. All you can see, there are no sound effects. There are no bodies. There's no way to know, other than what he's telling you, 
that there's real loss there. So it's more of a, an idea and a mood than an actual drama, dramatization. And I was frustrated with that. I think it's a great example when we were talking earlier about sound. Sound would have made this a, a better film. Having the actual sound of the wind, um, sounds that can be depressing, sounds that can add to the mood that he's trying to create. The acting was was pretty good. You know, I thought he did a real good job, but he was more acting a mood than acting actual actions that an actor does in order to take you on a trip. Um, but I think in a way you have to look at the context of the film as well. I'm critical of it because that's just my nature. That's, I, I look at a film and I, I, if it takes me someplace, if it brings me in and I have no problems and I'm happy if it has problems, I, I say what they are. But I think in general, the film lacks credibility. It, because of its sentimental treatment, it doesn't draw you into the experience that the person is having because, again, they're telling you about the experience. They're giving you a mood. But in context, as I said, for a machinima community, watching a film like this, I think I can understand why people would like it so much. But as a film on its own, it has lots of problems. It needs to have more detail added to it. It needs to be less of an idea and more of a dramatic situation. And the ending, my feeling was suicide by enemy. Like, you know, a, a, somebody is, can do suicide by cop. Well, they provoke the police to shoot them. This guy, rather than fighting the enemy at the end, he just allowed the enemy to kill him. Which, in a way, was didn't seem to be true to the military character because a military character would commit suicide as a, by shooting themselves um, uh, as opposed to allowing the enemy to get the best of them, to take their lives. So I had trouble with that too. But I'm really glad you chose the movie. It is thought-provoking. And I think a lot of people don't, don't mind the sentimental treatment and may not be as uh, detailed as I am about it. So um, those are my thoughts. That's really interesting you should say about the soundscape. I didn't, I bought into the emotionality of it actually. I was, I thought it was really powerful. Um, but I definitely take your points there. I understand where you're coming from completely. What did you think, Phil? Well, my, uh, my position on Halo Machinima generally is well documented, let's say. <laughs> uh, it just, I mean, having never been attracted to the game enough to even play it uh, or own it, uh, I never really got into, and like like some of you have mentioned, a lot of the Halo Machinima tradition is rooted in that story world, which I just wasn't interested in. Um, Red versus Blue being the exception because they kind of, they took it to a different place. Um I, I didn't watch RVB from beginning to end, but I feel like their pilot episode is one of the one of the great mm -hmm. uh, machinima shorts of all time. Mm -hmm. Just purely for the writing is ex exceptional. Um, that being said, this this film did not push any of what I would call my hot buttons about the stuff that I generally revile with 
what has come out of the Halo Machinima community. It didn't push any of those buttons for me in the bad way. Um, I was a little... Uh, I wasn't able to fully take it on for a lot of the reasons, uh, uh, for the one big reason that Ricky brought up, which is the tell-don't-show approach. I just could never really uh, connect with it, you know? I mean, I, 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 ge I genuinely... I appreciate what I think is sincerity in the uh, uh, in the thought and, and emotion behind this movie. I don't question that at all. I uh, I can sense that that was there, but I I, I do uh, I, I wasn't as moved by how he chose to execute that sincerity with the film. Um, um, I wasn't confused by the end. Uh, I can see where the confusion might be, though, because for some reason, I, I had the same exact interpretation as Ricky, which was this was mm -hmm. he was just going to give in, even though that, like Ricky said, that doesn't really doesn't really quite fit. But OK, I can accept that. But what was confusing is that he kept his weapon up the whole time. And what you would have expected and what would have made it completely clear is if this creature is charging towards him and he just lowers the weapon, then it's then it's. That's Clear. perfect cinematic language for okay. We know we know what that means, and mm -hmm. he doesn't have to show us. I did appreciate that. Don't show the death. Um, I felt like that was appropriate. Mm. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I uh, I'm impressed with the topic choice and the sincerity underneath it that I do think is there to be done through Halo. It's just not what I would expect. It's not the only Halo movie with heart that I've ever seen but it's certainly exceptional for that reason. Um, I just, I, I, I too felt like more could have been done with it. Um, uh, I mean, it, it, it's almost wishing that the movie would be even darker because that's what the result would be. If that subject matter really connected with me, then it would, you know, then it's like letting some of that darkness in me, but that's what a good film does. You know, mm. you take that chance. You let a film do that to you. This one never really invited me to do that. It was something to watch at a distance and comment on and go, huh, okay. But never really got me there. So uh, anyway, uh, you know, happy holidays, you know. Uh, <laughs> great pick for uh, Merry Christmas, Tracy. That's yep. Sorry. Just <laughs> <laughs> I think so Ricky's right. right. This, you know, as much as the the commercial reputation of these holidays are, the reality is what Ricky talked about. That Absolutely. this is a hard month for. It's a hard month, I think, for more people than it's a great month, mm -hmm. um, and it's maybe not talked about a lot. So, um, yeah. in that sense, I I appreciate it. Yeah, I think you're right about the lowering the the weapon, Phil. And also, when you said that, I started thinking about maybe it's a limitation with the game. Is that up? That up I wondered that too. To him. I wondered that too. I because I then I tried to. I didn't watch the movie again to see, but like, is there any point where that character can stand without the weapon up? Or but is then, that just how Halo works? I don't know. If there's a technical limitation, then put something in the script. Mm. Right. I I lowered my weapon. I dropped my weapon. Yeah. You yeah. could use a different camera angle and, you know, there you go. Crop, crop yeah. his arms out of the shot and just have a close up on his face as the guy comes, maybe even show it in the reflection. <laughs> There's all kinds of ways that it could have been done. That's yeah. All, yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Okay. So, um, 
moving on from that cheerful film, uh, Ricky, what have you found for us? <laughs> well, you know, uh, for the first time, I had a little bit of a problem finding a film that I wanted to share. Um, it took a lot of time wading through GTA 5 criminal dramas and Sims romance vampire dramas. <laughs> <laughs> it was really hard. and But I did come up with my old faithful Star Citizen, which just increasingly is getting my respect for interesting stories and interesting ideas. And I came up with Novikov 2, Repercussion. And it seems to be the first of a series, but I'm not sure whether the series is going to go on or not. It's Russian. It's made by a Russian uh, machinima filmmaker, so it's subtitled. You have to, uh, uh, in YouTube, you, you activate the closed caption in order to get the subtitles. Subtitles are pretty well translated. But essentially, it's the story of a seemingly banal um, operation uh, from a ship that's working with a, a, a space station that's around this world, and they've launched the ship, and the ship has a crew of two, and the two, they've gone down to get samples for a, a project. I suspect it, ha it has to do with food, although it's not entirely clear. And uh, they, the guy that's in this forested region on, this, on the planet gets a call that he has to come back. So you get a lot of details on... Uh, it's in Russian, and they, they, it's a very technical um, conversation that they have about the practicalities of, of, of getting back in the ship, of, of contacting the ship, of setting it up, of landing. And in the middle of it, one of the... Um, uh, I think the pilot starts singing a song, a sort of song, made-up song about uh, children and, uh, and everything. And then there's a bit of talk about uh, one of them when they land uh, that they're going to go see their daughter's birthday party. They get in. They rush to see the commander. The commander tells them that there's been an attack at another station. They warp out to that attack. Uh, the space station is destroyed. Um, it's crisis. You get the feeling that they may have to go down to the planet, this new planet, to uh, survive. So it, it leaves the uh, plot in sort of media res in the middle of something, uh, which was a bit of a disappointment. I kind of wish they would have turned it off. Um, repercussion is the repercussion from the acts of some other party attacking the space station. But I chose it because I, I thought it was a very interesting combination of procedural science fiction mixed with sort of the human factor in it and the outstanding cinematography and uh, graphics and uh, uh, sound effects in it. I was drawn into it a lot. I had just recently read the Asimov Foundation trilogy for the first time and remembered why I didn't like Asimov so much because he was so bad with characters. He, he used types, character types in order to be mouthpieces for his fascinating ideas. Well, this 
solve that problem by making the people real characters, real people. And you started thinking, well, a guy that that guy's probably not going to be able to attend his daughter's birthday party. And it's it's and also finally, it has that thing about space that I like so much, which is at any instant a crisis occur in which people are dead. You know, it's got that almost police officer sort of thing in space. And I just thought it was very evocative. The Russian language is so rich in, in, in sound, you know. And I, I just liked it very much and am curious to see what you guys think about it. Well, um, I liked what you said about the, it being about real, relatable characters. It kind of had the same sort of vibe as Alien. I don't mean like the horror aspect of it, but the, the feel you get from the crew is these are just people, they're normal people, just doing their job. Uh-huh. Um, uh, or the early episodes of The Expanse, where they also had that similar kind of vibe. These are just people who live in space, trying to earn a living. Um, they're not out to save the galaxy or anything like that. They just they're just doing everyday stuff. And so the character in this film, like they like said, he's talking about he didn't want to miss his daughter's birthday. That's something that exists. People can relate to that today as well. It's not just it's not a future problem. It's something that exists all across time, and. Um, you know that they are going through their samples because that's what their their job is. They're treating it like just a normal everyday occurrence to them. They might be doing the, they might have done the same thing the day before, and if the problem hadn't occurred later on in the story, they would probably have been doing the same thing the next day and then the day after that and so on. And I like that kind of aspect to it because it's it's not something you get too often in sort of science fiction, especially in machinima where it's very easy to do a story where you make characters go out and save the planet or save the galaxy and fight this big war and it's not none of that stuff it's just a group of people living their everyday life and then something bad happens and you're right that it shows that space is very dangerous because um they can be dead in an instant and it's not because of um obviously they just get attacked which is an unusual it's not something that's not relatable to every day but it's not a huge alien invasion or the end of everything. It's just that is another aspect of their everyday life. Yeah, is, yeah. Um, that's the threat they have to deal with. And I, I just like the whole tone of it. And I'm glad you mentioned the closed caption because I watched the first few minutes without that and had to go back and watch. <laughs> <laughs> I was, was wondering just... whether somebody would mitch that because sometimes closed caption isn't on by default. Yeah, mine is not on by default. And I was thinking, well, I'm, if, I can't understand Russian, so I'm just going to see if I can watch it um, and get an idea of what's happening just from watching it. And then real, I saw the CC button in the corner. Oh, I should press that. <laughs> I did yeah. exactly the same, Damien. I started listening in Russian because sometimes I can get the gist of it. No, couldn't get the gist of this at all. But unfortunately, when I put the translator on, it kind of spoilt the voice acting side of it for me because I was trying to follow, you know, what what was being said and try and, you know, follow it as a, as a kind of a narrative thing. And I found I just couldn't watch what was going on and read the words and hear, you know, hear, hear the emotion, I think, really, in the content. So I, I felt that I missed something important by just having to listen to it um, with the captions on. But all of that said, from my point of view, I thought it was a really good story. It was really well packaged for me and well paced. Um, And like Ricky said, I I thought the cinematography really supported 
the um, the words that were being spoken. You really got that kind of connection between the the, the voice acting and what you were seeing on the screen. To be quite honest, though, I did feel it was kind of a little bit overlong in the in the sort of introduction phase of it. And I suppose really that reflects the point that you made, Ricky, about you 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 wanted the story to carry on a little bit. I wanted it to carry on a bit too, but I wanted it to be more compressed in the front and add something yeah. to the back end of it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and also you said this as well. I thought the what the next episode might be was a little bit unclear. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh you know i couldn't i couldn't figure out how they might pick up and run from what they'd already done but i don't know if you guys picked up on this but um the 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 guys that made it i think were the creators of the game or the con or the the content and this was made in an incomplete game uh and the comments in the uh in the youtube chat seem to reflect that it it was a you know a, a story made with incomplete content, uh, and folks were were you know quite um, impressed with what they'd been able to achieve with um, with what was all you know what was there, and basically were kind of looking forward to um, seeing what else might be there to mm. complete whatever that game environment might be. Mm. So I think it was a, a you know a promotional piece for the for the. For the for the the game content itself, interesting. I yeah, it interesting. yeah, yeah, fascinating. Phil, that's my bit. Right? Yeah, I en- I enjoyed it. Uh, I love the Russian language. Uh, it has a personal significance for me with my wife uh, uh, speaking it and her family as well. Um, I had to turn the subtitles on as well, but I had them on from the beginning <laughs> from my previous movie, so it's it's all good. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I, w- I would have liked to see a little bit more in the balance of shot selection. There were a lot of, you know, far away shots and, and you know, distanced shots of spacecraft doing this, that and the other. And yeah, the, the, the performance of uh, the voice tied it all together nicely. But I would have liked to see a little bit more. Uh, we've seen what can be done. Uh, I'm thinking of like a drift uh-huh. in terms of that yeah. human presence on screen. I found that I, I found myself craving that a little mm-hmm. bit more of that, uh, that I wanted to, I wanted to be closer to the characters behind these voices because the voice mm. performance was wonderful. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's, it, there's, there's almost a lyrical quality to Russian when it's delivered authentically like it is in this. And the singing was just a beautiful moment. I loved that when the guy broke into song. I don't know if it's a made up song or not, but it sounds authentic. You know, it sounds like the kind of folk song that uh, that someone from there might sing. Um, I really loved the way that they portrayed the the space station uh, coming to its end. That a distant shot worked really well, where it's off in the distance, and then the transmission <laughs> cut cut off, and then you just silently see it go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that was great. That was yeah. wonderfully done. Um, so yeah, I mean, overall, I, I liked the movie. I just I, I found that I, I I wanted a little bit more connection with the characters, and uh, it was a little bit of a struggle to get that from it. That's a good but, point. Uh, but a great story, and yeah, it's, it definitely scratches that kind of hard technical sci-fi itch, um, and does it well. I mean, it, the, the it, all of it for me comes down to the voice performances, the the 
it wasn't just about conveying information. The way that they were, the way they were delivering these lines, it it felt authentic. You know, it felt like, like Damien said, these are these are real people. These are ordinary people doing their jobs, and it 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 definitely there wasn't anything overacted at all. Um, it was wonderful in that regard. So well, that nice transition between business or work voice and personal voice yeah. was very, very clear in yes. it. And I liked you that they allowed that they, they dramatized that very clearly. Um, they also did a very nice job in, in, and I, I agree with you. I think that, that giving it more human, more closer shots, I think would have very, would have helped it. But I think there's some issue with the rendering of, of faces, skin textures, it has a little bit of that clay look that some of the other films you've seen in some of the other films. Now you get around that by just saying, well, that's what it is. But I think they may have avoided some of those because of the rendering. For that reason? Of the okay, face. Fair enough. It's possible. Enough. It's possible. But I just, I want to see more by these people, you know? I thought your alien reference was spot on with the graphics going across and the sound effects of the graphics, you know? And the journey, that's what I wanted to say, the journey. You go from a guy in a spacesuit in flowers pulling samples and coming back to the spaceship exploding silently. What a great journey that is for that mm. that story, you know? Just excellent. Mm. Yeah. I'm glad you guys liked it too. I really like the, um, the other bit I really enjoyed was the when this little shuttle comes up and docks with the big ship. Yes. yes. Um, they, if you watch that in a Hollywood film, you see the spaceship come up and then you see it go straight into the docking bay. You wouldn't get the bit in the middle where it kind of circles around to slow down and yes. position itself. That's and then very it true. goes down into right. the docking bay. That's very true. Um, and also, you remember the shot was the, the bay doors open and you yeah. have a guy walking across to greet them yeah. as it comes in and then sets down. It was just... Very intelligently, a lot of detail, yeah, yeah, because yeah. they could have got away with not doing that, but they did do that, and it adds more to to the story. Yep, yeah. yeah. Okay, Phil, what have you uh, chosen? Oh, am I next, or are you next? You're gonna, you you're gonna next, Damien. Oh, okay. Hey, well, you just skip over your movies, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was not reading the list properly. <laughs> okay, so I'm next then. Um, yeah. So my first, I picked two films this um, month. Um, the first one is a Star Wars Christmas mashup. Uh, I remember watching this many years ago. It was made with Jedi Academy, which uh, I used a lot for my mission of projects um, back when I, I was doing that. And what year um, was that? Oh. 2013, 2012? Earlier than that. Um, 2008? 2005 to 2008, I think I was doing this. But I was looking at see what other machinima was being made at the time by the people using the game. And this, this guy was doing... He called it Jedi Academy Re-Edited, and he was basically retelling the plot of the game, but making it a comedy and doing all kinds of silly jokes and poking fun at the characters who were not quite so well written and so on. 
and it became quite a popular series in the in the games community. So Christmas came along, and so he did this um, Christmas special, which is more or less the same kind of humour. He um, decided to... It's not really retelling any element of the game, because Christmas doesn't exist in Star Wars, but um, he decided... Wait, to, what? I know. <laughs> I, didn't, they, I didn't know that, did you? They, <laughs> well, they actually have something called Life Day, which I'm not going to go into now because we're not talking about Star Wars. We're talking about this film. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so he decided to make this festive uh, episode in Jedi Academy, and he's it's kind of the it's kind of got that gamer humor from that sort of time period where they would do kind of random clips of different things happening and try and make it a bit of a, a comedy. And some of them are really funny, and some of them are a little bit odd um but i thought because this is december i thought i'm going to choose this as a sort of festive film and I, i've seen it plenty of times before so what, what do you guys think of it well shall i start i yeah i you know i'm glad you sort of said about what the backstory is because it it's clear that it does have a backstory but i didn't know what it was uh and it's obviously something that you know, looking it up a little bit. It's obviously something that's been posted by several people. Um, and my guess is that, I mean, it's obviously really old. And I'm wondering how it was kind of created and at what point it was first uploaded to to, to YouTube. And I wasn't I'm... sure because the date of it is 2010. But I bet it's a lot earlier than that. that it, it was, was created. released before YouTube. So, so it's going to be 2003, four, Yeah. when it was made. Well, you know, frankly, the aesthetic of it for me, it looks incredibly dated. It's really dark. And, and it's, it's pretty hard to follow what's going on if you're not a Star Wars super fan. And I'm not, I'm afraid. Um, there are loads and loads of characters, characters to, to, to follow, I think. Um, was I'm not sure was the voice acting done at the same time as the video because that to me seems a little less dated than the visuals. Uh, I believe most of the voice acting is clips from the game that they've cut up and changed. So all the voice so, actors in the game, it's the same voice actors from the game. So they just oh, take yeah. the dialogue from the game and, and edit uh, it around. Well, okay, that may that kind of makes more sense. Well, they don't they didn't age um, as badly, I think, as the visuals did, frankly, um, for me anyway. The Christmas theme kind of woven through it is, is kind of interesting because clearly what it's about is sort of family arguments, the doorstep choir interrupting things persistently and so on, all of that. I mean, in, in parts, it is really funny. Um, but I confess I really struggled to get into it at the beginning, mainly because it really does look so old and, and I'm not that so you know not so well into star wars that i you know to know to to know enough about the things that were really um being referred to hmm. and you know i think my my perspective has been spoiled by the you know the unreal effect um that we kind of have with uh game engines that we look at today so yeah it didn't really work for me i'm afraid this one fair enough yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure being a Star Wars super fan would have helped all that much, Tracy. Because I think okay. a lot of the, a lot of the references, well, a lot of the characters, 
you know, have never appeared on the cinema screen. Uh, okay. they're, they're characters that were only in the series of games. Okay. Um, I did, uh, I played all those games back then um, from Dark Forces forward. Do you remember Dark Forces, Damien? Oh, yeah. A really primitive one in like the Doom Engine or something. Um, so, but even, but it's been a long time and I, I had trouble remembering enough to, to get a lot of the references to, um, it, you know, it, it gave me a little bit of nostalgia that, that dated look and, and just the, the type of humor, you know, that was machinima that, you know, yeah. that was it. Um, that was the main, the mainstay. Um, so it gave me a little nostalgia, but it, it didn't really, uh, it didn't excite me, you know, um, it, it, I think there was a lot even that I didn't get, uh, as well. It, it reminded me, a little, it's kind of an omnibus, isn't it? You know, with kind of these random bits together, like, uh, Blobalicious, or your, if you remember that one from the quick days, um, where it's, you know, a bunch of stuff put together, but I can totally see in, let's say what, 2003, 2004, I would have enjoyed this, you know, as it wouldn't have struck me even then as something extraordinary or, you know, it, but this was, this was the, the normal fare for machinima back then. And it, uh, it would have been enjoyable. And, and for someone who was a super fan of, this game or this series, I'll bet this is this is nice to be taken back to that. So uh, I'm glad it's it's able to be preserved and is is out there. Yeah, I had the same reaction as you guys did. It was a bit difficult initially because of the poor rendering quality and dated look to to get involved in it. But once I told myself to shut up and just pay attention, <laughs> I was okay. You know, it yeah. it is what it is. You're not going to so what. And I started to get into it, and I started to realize there were probably the, some some of the 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 work, the mods in order to create the shots were really quite good, and some of the ways that they used the camera to set up shots was really quite good. So, although I didn't get involved in the story because, like you all said, I, I'm not a big um, Star Wars game fan, so I don't know the the world really well, but I admired a lot of it and genuinely laughed out loud on the door doorstop carolers which yes, i thought was just <laughs> which i thought was the funniest part of the whole thing yeah uh, very witty and funny um if they could have created that sort of sense of humor and timing through the rest of it it, it would have been terrific you know farce and slapstick they're easy to create because you're just doing stuff, silly stuff, but they're really hard to get right, mostly because of the timing involved. And unless you've practiced it, or unless you have a natural sense of how to do it, you can have a lot of jokes fall flat because you don't get the timing right. And then you have the additional problem of timing the editing to fit the joke. So overall, I don't think they did a great job uh, doing that but there were some scenes that were terrific that were really really funny and they got just right and you're right uh phil this is the kind of fare that i would have just yucked up all the way through back in 2003 totally. but but today i think you know we have a different fare your next film that you're going to show stellaris invicta 
although it's not a comedy, um, you can see that it, you can see the progression of machinima from this uh, Star Wars 2003 to the 2020 promo. Uh, and I think that's, that, that's a really interesting thing. Yeah. Um, I had the same. So I was thinking about, can I choose something machinima Christmas related when I was, and yeah. what stuck in my mind was that door, the carol singers on the door. That was what <laughs> popped into my, in my head. And I thought, what video was that from? Oh yes, it was that. And I had to look it up and I tried to find a really good copy of it. Yeah. Because what I was remembering in my head was a lot higher quality than what we had on YouTube. But it seems like the person who made the original one hasn't put the original copies up on YouTube. It's just copies that have been shared around uh, and, so, and modified. And so it's all blurry. And It's like a um, Xerox of a Xerox of a Xerox. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a shame because <clears throat> I think it would have been nice to have seen a, a higher quality copy of that. But also we were, I think back at the time, limited by the video codecs that were much more primitive. Yeah. Uh, and all of that kind of stuff, which is a shame. Well, yeah, um, 2003, you were, you were, <laughs> rejoicing if you could get the game to run at 800 by 600 <laughs> yeah so true upscale yeah. that by two to get it on youtube's oh, native resolution boy. now it's like Oof. yeah <laughs> so yeah officially it hasn't aged well and i just have that same nostalgia for the type of content that it was that you guys had even though i know it's not the best film it's just it's the best christmas theme thing i could think of and when i had that um Nostalgia as well. I thought, yeah, that's the one I'm going to choose, even though if it's not the greatest film that we could have chosen this month. Well, Tracy had already picked the best Christmas film, so I'm sorry. Was, this was the second best, right? Yeah. Yours if I had seen that, I think they complement each other. I think you know those uh, those Christmas elves or whatever they are yeah, go yeah, beautifully yeah. with the suicide walk. You know. Yeah. I think that's... Okay. So moving on to my second um, pick. Um, I wasn't actually looking for any other Machinima projects to share because I'd already chosen that Star Wars one. And it came up in um, a games news site. And I play Stellaris quite a bit. It's a space strategy game where um, you create your um, empire. You start with this whole... You're like a character customization screen in a sort of like Mass Effect. But instead of creating a character, you're creating your alien race and you can choose what they look like and you can make them human if you want to or there's so many different alien appearances and you can choose what kind of um government they have and like what do they believe in are they focused on science or military or and all these different traits and um so you get a lot of flexibility with that and you can name them and you start and you basically spread out and conquer the galaxy you have you want to do it and i never thought I would see someone make machinima with a game like that because it's just not designed for it at all. Um, so I heard about this um, series and I read the description. Thought, that sounds really interesting because it's a group of people who regularly stream themselves playing the game and they ask their community to make help them make this important decisions when things come up in the game. Like, um, are we going to make peace with this alien race or to attack them? Uh, they also think, have things like we're going to name the characters in the game, so send in your character name so we can um, do that. And uh, they even had um, several different backstories for how the human race would appear at the start of the game, and the fans had to vote for the one that they chose, which was that aliens had at some point invaded Earth 
and we just about managed to fight them off. And we'd taken the technology and rebuilt and used the alien technology to start exploring space. Um, I can't remember what the other backstory options were, but they were all really interesting and well taught out. Um, so then they stream that, and then they will record the stream and then turn the footage they recorded into a documentary as if it's set the documentary from way in the future exploring how human explored how humans became started exploring space and i thought that's such an unusual way of um making machinima because normally we'd see that story from the perspective of the characters um going out and exploring space and having their adventures you don't really see it as a documentary um <clears throat> looking back at things that have already happened and I, it's just really something really appealed to me about that. and there's a whole there's two seasons worth of story here and i haven't gone through all of it yet <clears throat> but I, I really want to but there's quite a lot of content to go through and um i forgot what i was going to say now <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah it's just it struck me as an unusual concept and an unusual game choice, but I think it worked really well. And I really also like the sort of interactive element of the fans watching, helping decide where the story goes. So what do you guys think? Yeah, yeah. I, th I thought as a promotional visualization for their game, I thought it was worked very well. It was too long, though, and it was too information heavy because by the time he got into two-minute mark, I'd completely forgotten where they had started from the information. So I think it should have been shorter and perhaps a bit more precise and maybe do more segments as opposed to one long one. And the uh, narrator, although she does a good job of uh, pronouncing and being clear, she lacked a lot of variety uh, every one thing was just as important as another thing. It was all sort of run together, you know, and I thought she could have had more variety to make it more interesting. Um, but but as a unique form of machinima, I appreciated it. I thought it was really interesting, and, and it did what it was supposed to do, which is make you interested in the game, because I wanted to find out more about the game. Yeah, I'm glad you told us the story behind it, Damien, because that was going to be my first question if you didn't, okay. which is there, there must be a story behind this. I had no idea that it was like this. I mean, it's almost, uh, you know, the game provides a context and then they, they crowdsourced the, the narrative decisions. That's really, yeah, that's unusual. Yeah. Um, I, there are some streamers who play Minecraft in a similar interactive way where except it's more of, it's more of hijinks, you know, that the player will be going along. And at any point, if somebody, <clears throat> you know, does a specific thing in the chat, then they have to drop all their weapons or something. And, and it's all about kind of trying to just have fun and sabotage the character, whatever and this, this is more of, you know, sculpting a narrative essentially. Uh, and that is interesting. Um, the, the visuals, even though, you know, it's a mix of 2D stills, a lot of Ken Burns type of movement on a, a 2D still, but the stills that they chose are beautiful. Yeah, they're beautiful. Um, and then and then they mixed in, I think, just the right amount of actual 3D footage to give it variety. So um, I found it a little long, too, but I think I think Ricky's spot on with the it was very information heavy. That's probably not the experience that somebody who's been following this for a while would have. 
who knows the lore of the game and and understands these things. But I mean, yeah, the the, the just litany of different races of creatures and locations and all that it really made my head spin. Um, it's impressive uh, uh, that there's that much scale um, to that world, uh, that universe. Um, but yeah, I had I had trouble latching onto it for that reason, but. Uh, as far as uh, production goes, yeah, the narrator was a little flat. Um, they could have taken a little bit of, uh, you know, the standard on that has changed um, even in, in professionally produced documentaries. And that's why they hire someone like Morgan Freeman or Oprah Winfrey or someone like that who's good at delivering an emotion. to You know, they hire a real actor to voice almost all major documentaries. Now there's a reason for that. Um, it's, it's effective, you know, that, that, that person knows how to, uh, use their voice in those ways. So it's a skill that isn't easy to acquire. And, um, so that's not an easy, easy thing to fix or an easy skill to learn. Um, but it would have benefited from that for sure. But, uh, all in all, uh, you know, beautifully done. And, and yeah, I think wholly unique. I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like this that falls in the machinima category. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's interesting. And just the fact that it exists and that it's a whole series, that it's not just a one-off, that's encouraging. You know, like Rick, Ricky was mentioning about the comparison of the way machinima was, you know, back then to now, uh, this kind of variety. I, I can't see this style being pulled off very well with the old tech. <laughs> Never mind the fact that nobody seemed really inclined to do this either, but even if they could, uh, you know, I, I, there's, there's few games that, that gave you this kind of material to work with for something like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, it's, it's neat in that regard. Mm. Well, you know, I've got very similar comments actually, but I didn't, you know, by the end of it, I didn't really look at it as a documentary because because of the way it's presented and the huge amount of detail um, that uh, the narrator goes through in such an intense way, it actually almost felt like reportage rather than any kind of accessible documentary. It was kind yeah. of like, um, you know, a monotonic kind of diatribe of detail, which was, um, you know, I think absolutely bewildering. And, uh, you know, like <laughs> you guys, I, I lost track of, of it after about four minutes there was just way too many facts and too many actors that i didn't um i didn't know and images that frankly only partially explained what the narrator was describing so it made it kind of pretty hard to follow other you know you saw things flying around and then you had some great concept art that you were looking at um but i wasn't sure what the connection really was between those things uh and you know I think the concept art is worth, um, you know, that, that kind of disconnection is worth sort of reflecting on, really. Why, why was that there? Um, but overall, I think it went on for a little bit too long for me. 11 minutes. And it, was, it did feel very monotone, both things that Phil and Ricky have actually already said. But also the background music, <laughs> that was also incredibly repetitive. You know, it just sort of went on and on and on. And actually, by the end of it, though, 
I realized it was a it was a form of machinima that I had never ever seen before. And and I kind of I thought it actually was more like a digital comic book machinima. Hmm. Uh, hmm. Because of the, because I of the way it, it used the concept art to to link the game footage. That's how I kind of because the the concept art really was the thing that really enriched it for me. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Those um, are great, great insights. I, yeah. That's kind of how I I interpreted it. Anyway, and I think really what intrigued me um, by the end of it though is is how the audience was given agency in the development of the narrative and the plot. Um, because, you know, not they weren't actually included in the... There was nothing specifically that mentioned the the audience in the narrative voice. Um, even though, you know, Damien's comments were about how they had specifically influenced the plot. So one of the things I was kind of curious to see was how that audience input is reflected in the film. Um, but it just was never recognised in any way in the credits. The concept artists were. They were listed all at the, all at the, the back end, 10, 15 of them, um, which was great to see. Um, but not the narrative plot points. And I'm sure that mm. in future, there's going to be something that creators need to think about a bit more when they do this kind of work, about how, uh, you know, how audience agency or co-creation is um recognized uh this just didn't quite you know i think it left a question mark for me in that in that regard but very interesting something i'd really never seen before in machinima at all so yeah thanks for sharing that really appreciated that that was a completely accidental um find i think that the um audience participation is i was trying to figure out how they made that work too because i mean i've played the game and i the best way I could figure is um, when something would come up, they would pause the game and then put a little vote up on their stream and then um, say, are we... Like the, um, early on in the story, they encountered this um, alien race who... They're, they're primitive, but in a strategic location. And so in the story, they get... Humans go and invade the planet, even though um, that's what basically... They're repeating what happened to Earth um, years before. Um so I thought what must have happened is they paused the game and then put a vote up to say, what are we going to do with this um, planet and have the option for invade it, leave it alone or um, be friendly with it or whatever the options would be. And all they're going to get is the numbers of who voted for which one. So you may not have actually had the names to say to say mm -hmm. who took part. So they may not have been able to include them that way, which is a shame because I think you're right that because the audience were guiding the story that those people who did vote should have had their names on if there was a way to collect them mm. yeah it's an interesting problem I think yeah. Yeah. the other thing about the world of the game is it's unique every time you play it so you're, you're not having a set group of alien races you're playing against every time you play it they're all randomly generated or so you get the same faces but what they're called how they behave uh, it's different every single time so there's, there's no real law to the world because it's different every time you play. Hmm. So the story in this, in this particular... So they're making the lore as they play. Yeah, yeah. fascinating. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. All right, so uh, moving on. Uh, Phil, it is actually your turn this time. Yeah, so this is the point in the show where, where we, we end up 
betraying my YouTube watch history, I guess, because I'd been watching a lot of meme videos. And of course, I search for machinima quite regularly. And this strange baby of those two things came up in my feed, (laughs) released on Halloween this year. So it's very new. It's one minute long. It's called GTA History by a GTA machinima group who goes by Morse Mutual Insurance. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea. Is that like a company on one of the billboards in the game? I have no idea. But that's what they call themselves, or he calls himself. I'm really not sure uh, the size of the team. I don't know much about them at all. But their videos are weird, strange (laughs) sense of humor. And this is a, a great example of that. And basically, it's this... It's this one minute video and it, it implies through showing a guy performing a, a search on Google that uh, Grand Theft Auto uh, <laughs> search results spiked very heavily in the 1700s. <laughs> and then he cuts, cuts to these images of classical artwork, but with GTA character faces put onto them. The very first image is Napoleon, the the famous painting of Napoleon riding a horse, but he's got a GTA face and he's riding some kind of rocket or something from GTA. Uh, And that's it. That's the whole, that's it. Just he searches, he, he extends the search back to the 1700s and shows this graph on the spike and then just cuts to these weird images and that's it. I don't know what the point of it is, but it's got a very meme feel. Uh, It's just bizarre. And so when I thought of it, naturally I thought Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So yeah. What because Um, of the weird five quid present you might get. That's, that's right. So uh, yeah, I, I had a I had a very difficult time uh, finding something, uh, obviously. <laughs> um, and then this turned up, and I just thought, well, why not? So it's yeah, like there's the, not there's not many machinima entries in the world of memes. This is the orange um, in the bottom of the sock, isn't it? It's wonderful. Yeah, it is. It's it's a strange little delight at the bottom there. So uh, I I hesitate to ask this, but what what. What, what did you guys th- well there was a commercial you guys think there was a commercial in the 80s i think in which a elderly woman comes into a, a hamburger joint and they give her this hamburger and she opens it up and she looks at the patty and she goes where's the beef where's the beef of course clara peller that was that woman's name Wendy's so, was there. My cry, I remember that. My cry to you, Phil, is where's the beef? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Oh, you know man. what? <laughs> Who's ever heard of Google's Ngram viewer? Who's ever heard of it? I have to confess, because I thought this was totally fake, I actually searched Google. <laughs> <laughs> For the Engram viewer. (laughs) And I found it. And I also put in Grand Theft Auto. And I too went back to the 1700s. 
And sure enough, there is that spike there. <laughs> Believe it or not. So that, wow. that was amazing. Yeah, but that spike exists. So, so this is my theory on this. This wow. spike exists between 1768 and 1774. And it's clearly the point in history at which that spike um, you know, was created that led these guys to collect these um, or you know, present these historical right, right. images, which have been, you know, as Phil says, tampered with ever so slightly <laughs> yeah. to portray the origins bit. of the game. So, you know, you've got Napoleon, Mozart and all these other kind of historical references, including a really nice remix uh, Mozart drill piece called The Beginning of the New Era by Elroy. Um, but you know what? The guys have made some mistakes because technically speaking, the images aren't for the correct time period. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that really, that really that, bothered me that, too. That really because, did. Well, but you know what? It's like <laughs> there's nothing like an anachronism to, take, to, to, to disconnect you from an otherwise really coherent piece of media. You know? Absolutely, absolutely. So I was really... I got really quite, you know, so Napoleon crossed the Alps in 1800. <laughs> so I was like, what the hell are they doing? The painting referred to obviously was painted after. I think it was painted, I don't know, 1801 or whatever. Um, Shame on them. I know, I couldn't believe it. But you know what? The, the, the rocket thing that he was riding, was that called Marengo? Like the name of his horse? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. So... I don't know, but I, you know, I thought it was a, it was a really intriguing machinima in creating kind of a fake news story that I kind of bought into because I did actually go and search to see if it was true. What are they? Now I'm really curious. Like, why is that spike there for real? I don't know. It's probably, it's probably an algorithm screw up. Okay. But who's ever heard of Ngram Viewer? I had never heard. Of I, that. I had never heard of it. No. But it exists, so now I'm going to have to find a use for that. Wow. I think we should look up so, other subjects to see when they spike. That obviously I think when so. they wouldn't. So this but, really yeah. is the orange in the bomb of the sock for the moment. I guess, yeah. <laughs> I, I watched it and I thought this is exactly what would have gone through my my mind if I'd looked back and seen that spike. I would have started imagining <laughs> all these artworks things. <laughs> So you didn't do history either. <laughs> oh boy! Well, I'll I'll throw one more. I'll pull one more orange out of the bottom of the stocking here as a bonus pick. Um, I've got one. I don't know if you guys uh, uh, got a chance to see it yet, but it's called "Playing an RPG for the First Time." Um, I watched this, this is one. By, this is by a, a a YouTuber named Joel Haver. He's been at it for quite some time. But about a year ago, he had been doing live action comedy sketches, mostly um, very strange kind of warped sense of humor, which, of course, right up my alley. So <clears throat> about a year ago, he started doing these sketches still live action, but then he would run it through a process using uh, EB synth, I think is how you say it, but it's basically a... Uh, uh, cell shading? No, not cell shading. What's the what's what's the term where? Uh, uh, I can't remember what the term is for this, but basically where 
like uh, Through a Glass Darkly, the, the Keanu Reeves yeah. movie. That, I know what you mean, oh, but I can't remember really for either. <clears throat> yeah, I know Darkly, what that is. That's what the movie was called. But I yes, can't. yes. Oh, this is really embarrassing <laughs> for you, Ricky. You can't remember this. Yeah, it's yeah, Jesus. Really. <laughs> anyway, that thing where they draw on the frame and then it... So yeah. EB Synth, basically, you can take a film, a frame out of the film, you draw on it, essentially, in Photoshop, give that frame back to the program, EB Synth, and it will go through and interpolate that and turn it into uh, animation. And as long as there's not a lot of variety in the in what's on the screen, it'll do a pretty good job. So he has to do these kind of in little segments. Well, he leaves his particularly sloppy at points. You'll see the guy's head move, and yeah. there's still an echo of that. Yeah. He just leaves it that way, I think, because it, it just helps with the silly aesthetic of it. And then he runs the entire thing through uh, a, a post-production filter that simulates the like lines on, on the TV that would be from an old VHS tape does that on purpose. So it looks like it's something that was like recorded, you know, on, on VHS 40 years ago and now is, is on YouTube. Um, rotoscope. Anybody or anything. It's just, it, it's rotoscoping. Thank, thank you. I hope that's right. Evan Ryan, who I, I just realized I haven't mentioned him yet on the show uh, yet. And I always do. So I need to mention Evan Ryan. He will scold me later for not remembering that because we've talked about it as a technique anyway. So to the film, uh, it, and this is, I, I did an experiment with this film, uh, because my wife, who this may come as a surprise to you has never played an RPG. Uh, <laughs> I thought, will this with just a little bit of setup from me, will she find this funny? Because it's, it's absolutely rooted in, the humor of a gaming experience that if you've ever played, Oh man, what is with me? I can't remember the name of anything today. You know, the old Bioware Baldur's pre mass effect titles, Baldur's Gate, that type of game. This is the, or even Diablo to some degree, the whole, you're an adventurer on a quest. You wander about, you come to a town, you take on quests there, that kind of thing. She doesn't have any experience with any of that. In fact, it took me quite some time to even explain to her what an RPG is and that people used to do it on pen and paper. And she just looked at me like, you Americans are strange. <laughs> <laughs> so fast forward to, yeah, th the answer is no. The humor does not work <laughs> on someone without that background. <laughs> because at the end of it, she says, this is horrible. I mean, the guy's crying. <laughs> Over a rat, and he doesn't even know his son's dead. This is you laugh at this. <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, uh, I, I have watched this since I found it and shared it with select people. Uh, I've watched it at least, I kid you not, at least 40 times. I've watched this and laugh every single time. There's something about the delivery of the main character. Uh, and the fact that it was live action means that he can do a lot of nuance with his face that still does come through the the rotoscope effect when he realizes the mistake he's made. Uh, <laughs> it's just 
beautiful and brilliant. I think I've watched everything on Joel's channel since then. There's other stuff that's funny, but nothing like nothing. This is the pinnacle. It's got 5.8 million views. It's about a year old. Um, and he's done now he's doing a whole series of these, not just role playing related, but just this style. Some of them are sci fi. There's this one with this really lazy stoned emperor of the galaxy and his, his, his assistant who is this green alien keeps proposing silly ideas to him. And he is bizarre. This guy's got a very, very strange, uh, his, the way his mind works. And there's several friends of his that play roles in these videos as well. So, um, anyway, I just find it one of the most hysterical things I've seen in a long time. Uh, and and I basically am on a I am on a quest now to find other people who think it's as funny as I do. Like it, it's one of those things where it's like you got to try this, and then I wait, and you know I'll share it through Facebook or wherever. Yeah, so far not not much luck there, but uh, <clears throat> I just found it really funny, and that the technique is fascinating, and uh, I don't know if it has any application to the world of machinima as a post-production technique, a way to, you know, there's certainly nothing that would stop someone from generating their footage from a game and then using this type of technique over the top of that to create a totally different look. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but I don't know if it's worth the effort. It sounds like a lot of work, um, you know, rendering your film out to frame images, doing it a, a section at a time. I mean, it's, it's, he does one video where he talks a little bit um, about the process um, ironically enough, he renders that video with the process <laughs> and makes it this really funny and weird thing. But it sounds like an awful lot of work. Uh, Evan Ryan, did I mention Evan Ryan yet on the show? Yes, you oh, have. Oh, yes. Evan Ryan, uh, when we were talking about uh, E.B. Santh and rotoscoping, and yeah, he, he you know, mentioned that, hey, you know, it's it's interesting, but it's, it's labor intensive. And I think he's right. I, I've only done very small experiments with it uh, years ago. Um, but anyway, what I found it equally as funny as, as you did, I thought it was hilarious. And, you know, earlier when I was talking about the problem of timing in comedy and how that one film, they struggled a bit with it, the, uh, re-edit one that Damien chose. Well, these guys are masters at getting the timing right. And when you have those uh, performers, who can sense when a joke is going to occur and, and how to get the timing right. Combine that with really good writing and an unusual look that shows facial expressions who can, because you can, when you do a punchline, you can do it with your face too. <laughs> I mean, you can may you can do the timing with your face. Yes. <laughs> when you get all of those three together, you have a little comic masterpiece. And that's what I thought this was. I thought it was outstanding. I thought it was one huzzah! Adventure <laughs> awaits. Yeah, surprisingly, Ricky, my understanding from from reading up a little bit on this guy and watching several of the videos, a lot of this, uh, a lot of his stuff, they improvise. I mean, I'm sure they've got the ideas written down, but the I don't think that even these are necessarily scripted. So they are truly, truly gifted. Yeah, they're really I mean, good. They're really, really good. Yeah, yeah. Well, it certainly made me laugh as well. I, mean, I think the lines are, are great. And, con and considering it's, you know, that little, that film is not very long, a couple, couple of three minutes. And right. 
but but in just a few sentences, you're really invested in these characters, aren't yep. you? Yeah. Um, I, I mean that the, the guys, you know, the, the the way that they talk about that rat at the end. <laughs> I will really miss him. <laughs> I know his I'm beautiful not. little eyes, his spirit, his kind, sweet spirit. <laughs> oh my God! It's absolutely. Yeah, the guy the guy who did that was just marvelous. His little was, sort of silent whimpering sobs was just wonderful. <laughs> it was awesome, wasn't it? But you know what? I also saw that he's he said it took thirty to forty hours to make. And I and I thought, God, is that all? Because <laughs> it because wow. it because it is pretty impressive, isn't it? I mean the, the yeah. detail. It is. Thirty to thirty to forty hours. I thought I thought that was pretty speedy i don't know what you guys think on that given the amount of what was going on or was, is that what you would expect 30 to 40 hours i would i was expecting that that would be yeah about that right seems amount. about right well all things considered yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So so we, we have longer. an interesting correlation with with the quality of images you know the the drive in so much of our entertainment is toward more realistic, more detailed, more. And so you tend to develop a value system where if something looks crude, you think it the content is crude as well. You know what I mean? Because you associate right. high rendered, high quality with high content. Well, this is just the reverse. And that's part of the joke. That's part of the humor of the whole thing. Yeah, the intelligence so. of making so. making that choice. Well, I, I must admit, I I so enjoyed it. I started watching the other um, parts of the series as well because it, <laughs> it absolutely was hilarious. And I have to say, I thought the second episode, the sequel, a, yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, did he, did did you, did you get to see that one, Ricky? There's a sequel. No, I missed where it. it's it's playing. <laughs> an RPG for the second time and he starts at the same point and this time lets the rat and the ghoul go is friendly to them arrives at the town the town is burning to the ground and that same old man with the cloak is there and come to find out that Marshall the rat is responsible for that <laughs> And so then he has to write that wrong. It's it's just wonderful. There's about three or four total videos that Very he makes funny. in that world, and I don't think any quite top this one, but they're 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 all very very funny. Yeah, his other ones are great too. You know, if if this is your type of humor, you're going to find plenty on his channel, which we'll link to. It's Joel Haver. Um, he's not new to the YouTube world at all. He's he's quite quite well known. Some of his live action stuff is is hysterical as well. There's there's one series that he's been doing, which is, this is again, the warped sense of humor where he will, the video is, it plays out like he is visiting the house of another very well-known YouTuber, like someone who is got the, the plaque and everything. It's someone that, that many people would recognize and he goes to visit them and then murders them. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> It's bizarre. It is so bizarre. Yeah, he's got a strange, strange sense of humor. So, gotta check him out. Yeah, there's there's two two YouTubers that he visits and and in in the in the video purportedly murders, and then the third one is a YouTuber who goes by the name of Jesus. This is how we bring in the Christmas theme. 
YouTuber goes <laughs> oh, by well done. <laughs> invites him over and is is ready. I'm I'm ready. Go ahead. Do I do I need to instigate with you? How does this work? I'm ready for you to to off me. It just strange. Strange. Wow. He's quite a quite a good actor for that, you know, person you would expect to be working at the post office kind of kind of role. <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's quite strange. So anyway. Well, um Excellent picks this, but uh, even the GTA history one. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the beef? Yeah, I'm going to have to check out more of these uh, rotoscope videos as well, because I only got a chance to watch this one, but it did really appeal to uh, my sense of humor. And it did make me want to dig out my copy of Baldur's Gate and play that again, because that, it, does, it reminded me it? so much of that yeah. first village at the beginning of the game. That, that was going through my mind as I was watching it. So, yeah, excellent choices. So that brings us to the end of our film discussion for this month. Uh, we've had quite a lengthy discussion, actually. Um, so if you've enjoyed listening to it, uh, you can find all the films in the, the show notes. Uh, so you can, if anything there catches your eye, you can check them out there. And please do check good choices of films this month. Um, so, yeah. Um, happy, happy holidays and see you next week bye everyone bye bye, bye. bye.